we all know a guy who only occasionally shaves for big occasions, and it's because that occasional shave really hurts. It's the time of year for big occasions, and yet there he is, suffering with that cheap drugstore razor. Let's help him out. Henson Shaving's line of razors, built with aerospace precision, deliver a smooth shave your dad, brother, and even son can enjoy, eventually. With replacement blades just 10 cents each, you'll buy it once, and they'll use it for life. How's that for the perfect gift? Celebrate with 100 free blades on your first purchase, and no subscription headaches. HensonShaving.com slash holiday. Don't forget that your skin is your largest organ, and the sun can be your skin's worst enemy. Dermatologist-recommended Neutrogena products offer the ultimate protection for your skin. From makeup remover wipes to Hydro Boost Water Gel Facial Moisturizer, BJ's has your entire lineup of Neutrogena skincare products. And now through December 3rd, save $4 on any Neutrogena product at BJ's. Love your skin back and save now through December 3rd, only at BJ's. You're about to experience a life-giving message from Bishop Kevin Foreman, pastor of Harvest Church, one church in global locations. To find out more about Bishop Foreman and Harvest Church, visit our website at www.harvestchurch.church. Your faithful giving is how we continue to bring life-giving messages like these to you. Give online in our mobile app or text the word giving to 59769. Remember to love God, love people, and love life. Let's say it together about it. I am unconditionally loved by God and at Harvest Church. I'm in my year of acceleration, accelerated progress, accelerated faith. This year, all I do is win. In Jesus' name, Selah, remain standing. I want you to go to this one scripture with me, one scripture, one scripture. We're going to look at a few different stories today. You can take me down just a bit. There's a little feedback up here, and I want you to get down to this scripture. Go to Proverbs chapter 24 and verse number 16. Say Proverbs 24, verse number 16. Now, Proverbs means wisdom. Say, there's some wisdom in this. Say it again. Say, there's some wisdom in this. It says, for a righteous man may fall seven times. We learned last week that righteous deals with us. Say, that's me. Jesus, 2,000 years ago, he died and he lived a perfect life, then died so that you and I, through his perfection, it would be as if we lived the life that he lived. And all we had to do is receive that by faith. So, for a righteous man, say your name. So, make this verse personal. Say, for, say your name may fall seven times. Now, which means if you have some falls and some failures and some mistakes and some disappointments, the wisdom tells you that was coming in the first place. Uh, Slap your neighbor, high five, say, I expected that. Don't expect perfection because you're going to be disappointed. Don't expect not having some days where you don't want to slap everybody across the face and then go have a sandwich afterwards. You're, you're going to fall sometimes. Touch your neighbor says you're going to fall sometimes. It says, for a righteous man may fall seven times and rise again. Now, remember, let's make it personal. For, say your name, may fall seven times. Uh, all right, so check it out. Check it out. Some of y'all are tripping. You only on fall number three. You ain't even got to seven. Stop thinking your life is so bad because you had some falls and some failures. Wisdom tells you that was going to happen anyhow. Proverbs means what? Wisdom. So say it was going to happen anyhow. Uh, God knew it was going to happen. That's why 2,000 years ago, he pre-prayed the price for your fall, for your failure, for your issue. For a righteous man may fall seven times. Say your name. May fall how many times? But what are you going to do? What are you going to do? What are you going to do? 
You don't rise seven times. If you fall seven times, you rise eight times. What is eight in Scripture? It's a new beginning, which means every time I get knocked down, watch me get right back up, and I'll have a new beginning. Look at the verse. It says, for a righteous man may fall seven times and rise again. But the wicked, th those are those who don't make what's important to God important to them. Amen. When they fall, it's going to be a calamity. Look at me. Look at me. What are you trying to say, Bishop? What you're looking at is not even that bad. Somebody say, why, Bishop? Because you're not wicked. So because you're not wicked, this ain't calamity. This is just evolution. Because you're not wicked, this is not the end. Somebody say, it's a new beginning. Now, can you take 15 seconds and praise and watch this? Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. You don't even know what you're praising it for. Now, you don't need a reason because he's already been good. But watch this. Here's why we're praising him. is because, watch this, what you're facing, because you're not wicked, it's never an ending. It's always a new beginning. Can you praise him for 15 seconds for every new beginning? I said, can you praise him for every new beginning? Now, 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 look at this. I, I want you to introduce today's message to somebody, and I had to put some, some J's on today for this one. Uh, say, neighbor, one word for you in this series called Fall Forward. Say, I got one word for you. Say, Nike, just do it. It'll make sense in just a minute. Father, customize, tailor, make this word for us, your people. Father, we laugh at the face of the things that would think that somehow they would stop us from Nike, <laughs> that they would stop us from just doing it. We laugh at the face of discouragement. We laugh at the face of frustration. We laugh. Why? Because the scripture says a righteous man may fall seven times, but I'm not staying down because I'm going to get up on that eight time and have a new beginning. Somebody holler a new beginning. Holler a fresh start in Jesus' name. You can be seated in the presence of the Lord. Sunday, you know, we started this new life-giving message series called Fall Forward, and it was aimed at us learning from the Bible how to maximize failure and mistakes and disappointments. And all of those words could be grouped together as falling. Somebody say falling which metaphorically is failing. And here's what's clear throughout the Bible, and here's what's clear throughout life, is that many people never properly process failure. So rather than experiencing failure, they become a failure. Now check this out. Failure doesn't uh, means this, that we don't uh, meet the desired or intended objective. And here's what you need to know. Everybody's going to fail at something at some time. Touch your name and say, everybody fails. But the decision that we have to make is when we fail and when we fall is to fall Forward. Now, remember, we talked last week that you can either fall down or you can fall backward. When you fall backward, watch this. When you have a mistake, you go back to the mess you came out of. When you fall down, watch this. You stay paralyzed in what was only supposed to be an event, but you made it a lifestyle. Y'all not talking to me. Somebody say, I don't choose either of those. I choose to fall forward. 
Experiencing the failure doesn't make you a failure, and making mistakes doesn't make you one. Having disappointments doesn't make you one. But today, and I said this on last Sunday, we have to accept where and how we fail and then decide that we're not falling backward, we're not falling down, we're falling forward. In Proverbs 24, 16, Proverbs is wisdom. Say wisdom. In other words, you can be smart and not be wise. Yeah, there's a whole lot of smart folk that know this, know that, can add this, can subtract that, can tell you all this, but they're not very wise. You ever met somebody where they used to say it like this, they're book smart, they're not street smart? Wisdom isn't just being intelligent. Wisdom is knowing how to apply the intelligence that I have. Uh, see, you can be smart and know a lot, but not know how to apply the lot that you know. And so the scripture gives us an entire book called Proverbs, which is wisdom. And wisdom says, for a righteous man. Now, who's that? Now, now, that means you're in right standing with God. Don't you ever go to God and say, Lord, I'm just a wretched mess. He says, well, then what the heck are you talking to me for? I didn't shed my blood for you to just be a mess. I didn't shed my blood for you to just be tore up from the floor. You're not a mess when I see you. I see you as a miracle. You're not a tore up when I see you. I see you as triumphant. You're not a victor when I see you. I see or victim when I see you. I see you as a victor. Somebody uh, touch your neighbor and say, you're not messed up. When he sees us, he doesn't see us in the mess that we were. He sees us in the miracle that he made us to be. So when he sees us, he sees us as righteous. That means we're in right standing, which means you may have done everything they said you did. But when the blood of Jesus covers you, you are not who they say you are. You are righteous. Somebody say, I'm righteous. That means you're in right standing with God. Now, that's important because if you're not in right standing, then you can't, watch this, ever make a claim. Whenever you go into court for a civil matter, uh, you have to establish jurisdiction and you have to establish what they call standing. In other words, you have to establish that you have a right to bring your matter before this particular court and that this particular court has jurisdiction over your issue. When the book says that we are righteous, and Romans 4 says that he makes us righteous as a free gift. See, the benefit of Christianity is this, is that when Jesus died 2,000 years ago, the only thing I have to do is accept that righteousness as a free gift. That's when we give our lives to the Lord or become Christians or born again. Then the Bible says at that moment, everything I've ever done, everything I will ever do, the book says his blood washes it away and he now puts me in right standing. Which means when I go to pray, watch this, I don't have to wonder, does he hear me? Because I'm righteous, I know I have standing. Y'all not talking to me. Which means every matter I've got to bring before the Lord, I know that the Lord hears me because I've got standing. i got a right to stand here, not because of how good I've been, but because of how good he's been. Somebody say, I've got standing. For a righteous man may fall seven times and rise again. Uh, in other words, I fall seven times. I fail seven times. I have seven mistakes. I have seven disappointments. And the Bible says that's going to come. But I'm going to get up again, which means I don't fall the same number of times I get up. I'm going to tell somebody, you didn't suffer a lot of losses these last few months. You didn't suffer a lot of losses these last few years. As long as you got one more get up in you. I said, as long as you got one more get up, I'm talking to some people where even this morning you said, I just can't take no more. Well, as long as you got one more get up, and I think there's some people in here that say, you know what? I got one more. I got one more. Somebody, hell, I got one more get up. 
Yeah, want to throw in the towel, but I got another get up. Want to just give up, but I got another get up. Want to say it ain't going to work, but I got another get up. He says, he says, he may fall seven times, but he's going to rise again. How many times is that? Eight. Now, in biblical numerology, seven means completion. So in other words, falling forward actually makes us better. Seven. Why did he say seven? Why didn't he say, because I don't know about you, I didn't fail more than seven times. <laughs> so, 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 so why did he say seven? Because seven means, watch this, it, it means completion. He says, so every fall I've had, if I keep getting up, it's making me complete. You're not complete just because you said you are. You're complete when you can get knocked to the ground and still wake up and say, I will bless the Lord at all times. And his praise shall continually be in my mouth. Somebody say, I, I get up again. He says, he says, he says, he says, he says, though a righteous man, who's that? Falls seven times, he's going to get up again. Now, eight is new beginning. That's what it means scripturally. Okay. So even as we're exiting this spiritual year, eight, say, say new beginning. All right. Now, a new beginning, watch this. Here's the problem with a new beginning. It's new. Here's the second problem. It's a beginning. We like to talk about new beginnings, but here's the truth. None of us like them. Why? It's new. I don't know what to expect. It's different. It's new. It's unfamiliar. I'm, I'm uncomfortable with it. I'm used to this. And you know, the sad thing is most of us will manage misery because we're comfortable with it rather than step out on faith to break through misery. Most of us will run back to the same jacked up relationship because at least we know the devil to expect rather than saying, you know what? Maybe it ain't even time for that right now. Maybe what I need to do is learn to love me some me. Y'all ain't talking. Now, 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 seven makes us complete. Eight gives us a new beginning. He says, he says, though you may fall, how many times? In other words, he says, until you get it. Now here, now I need to reverse it. Reverse, reverse. Let me reverse it because watch this. Yes, we learn and we grow, but here's the deal. God says, you're going to keep falling in that same area until you get it. So I'm going to ask you a question. How many more falls do you need on the same leg before you determine maybe I'll not walk that way? How many more? Y'all not getting that. How many more issues do I need to have with that before I determine I need to do that differently? How many more drama do you need to have in your family? How much more drama, rather, do you need to have in your family before you realize, you know what? I need to change something. In other words, he says, you're going to keep falling until you get it. But I think there's some of us that our celebration is this. I finally got it. I was blaming everybody else, but I finally got it that everybody else wasn't the problem. It was me. I finally got it. Lay your hands on yourself. Say, finally get it. Get it. Get it. <laughs> now, 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 watch this. Watch this. He says, he says, until you get it, you will fall. And then once you get it, you'll have new. Which means until you get it, you'll have old. Even if old looks like new, it's fake new because you aren't different. Someone said, Bishop, I thought the message was Nike. It is. I'm going there. There's an apparel company whose name is Nike. And this message is not necessarily an endorsement to buy Nike products, but it is designed to teach us the principle found throughout the Bible. It's found in their slogan. Just, you know it. Come on, church. Everybody. 
it comes from the Greek word nikeo, which means victory. That's what Nike comes from. And as a Christian, and if you're not in a moment, uh, I'm going to give you an invitation to become one. Here's what's significant for us in the Bible. There's a day in the scripture called Palm Sunday. Well, over 2,000 years ago, Jesus entered Jerusalem on a donkey, which, by the way, uh, in Hebrew culture, a donkey was like having a luxury automobile. The scripture says that he, had, he went and bought somebody's donkey, which means Jesus got a rental car that was nice to ride into the city. But Jesus said, I'm the king, so I'm riding in here nice. He said, you ain't going to catch me riding dirty. <laughs> He said, I'm riding in here nice. So before you try to say Jesus was broke and messed up and in poverty and all that, he said, listen, I'm the king, but ain't no need for me to have a permanent donkey because I'm about to get up out of here. Whenever you get up out of somewhere, you don't buy your rent. <laughs> Praise him. Watch. Uh, Jesus entered on a donkey. This is like a luxury automobile. He went in on a, what, what's, what's it? Uh, okay. Rolls Royce. Tesla. Lamborghini, Maybach, Volvo, Mercedes, whatever it was, somebody said it was luxurious. Mm -hmm. Plush, it's the nicest donkey in town. That's why I said, give me a young one. It, 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 what's young mean? It's, the, 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 it's supple. It ain't wore out. You know, it had the new car smell on it. And I said, when Jesus rode in on that donkey, watch this, he was declaring himself king. Because it was prophesied in Zechariah that uh, the, the Messiah would come and he'd be riding on a colt, he'd be riding on a donkey. And when he came in, they knew he was, watch this, intentionally being confrontational against the Sanhedrin and the religious leaders of the day. Stick with me. The people began celebrating on this day called Palm Sunday, and they laid down their clothes, and they also laid down palm branches and leaves. Watch this. In the Greco-Roman culture, the palm branch was a symbol of triumph and victory, and it became the most common attribute of the goddess. Watch this. Her name was Nike, which means victory. So when Jesus rode in, he was really telling the people, not only did he have victory, but everybody that believed in him had victory too. Now here's the trip. He's riding to be crucified. So he was riding to failure. But as he's riding to failure, he's telling us what Proverbs says. It may look like I'm about to fall. But on the third day, watch me. Y'all better be a better church than that. Jesus was saying, even on my way into, I see Los Angeles in the house, even on my way into failure, even in my way into a fall, I'm declaring I got victory before my fall ever happens. I tell you to lay your hands on yourself, say you got victory before you even fail. You ain't saying it like you mean it. Lay your hands on yourself, say you got victory before you're disappointed. Which means I'm not scared to fail. Why? Watch me get up again. I came to tell somebody, stop being afraid of failure. Stop being afraid of losing. I'm going to tell you, the same God that was back then is the same God right now. And you shall rise again. Watch. Jesus was saying, before I ever get to my failure, 
he was telling all the religious folk, he was, he, he iked them. He said, look at now. He said, I want you to know something. He says, it's about to look like y'all win. He said, because you're going to beat me and I'm not going to fight back. You're going to spit on me and I'm not going to spit back. You're going to falsely accuse me. And I'm not going to get on Facebook and type back. I'm talking to somebody in here. Jesus said, and I'm doing it, and I'm riding in here on a donkey into the very place I'm about to fail to tell you, don't you think for one moment that you won. You didn't take my life, Jesus was telling them. I'm giving it up. And fool, what you need to know is if I don't give up my life, you can't have life. So the very one trying to take you down is going to be the very one that needs you around. The very one trying to put their foot on you is going to be the very one that needs you to give them a foot up. Wait. He said, he said before I ever fail, I need you to know I'm, I, I'm victorious. He said, Nike. Say Nike. He said, as he's riding on the donkey, Jesus is like, just do it. How I know he was saying that? Because when you look at him, when he gets to the Garden of Gethsemane, he starts shedding drops of blood. And as he's shedding these drops of blood, he's like, Father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. He says, but nevertheless, not my will, Nike. Just, he, he, he said, he said, he said, he said, I already told him I'm king. I already told him I'm going to win. But the pain of the process, see, 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 you already going to win. Don't crack because of the pain of the process. Y'all, let, let me talk to somebody, let me talk myself. Because the enemy cannot stop you, what he has done is try to get you to stop yourself by getting emotional and getting frustrated and getting distracted and sidetracked. But, but touch your neighbor say, I decide today, Nike, just do it. Uh, with the title of this message, let me go on and do this. Let me address head on. Something happening in America because of the false controversy that's been created by various leaders in the nation. Uh, in the National Football League, a player used his First Amendment right to protest police brutality. Police, uh, watch this. Protesting police brutality is not protesting police. Just like walking to raise awareness for a cure for cancer isn't protesting women with breasts. It got quiet here. Y'all must not like this. <laughs> but watch me, Nike. <laughs> watch, watch me do it. Watch me do it. Nor is going to the gym protesting people who are overweight. We support proper policing. Clap for that. We support our military. Clap for that. And we denounce police brutality. Clap for that. And I don't care what anybody says. 
regardless of what office they may hold. I can support police and protest police brutality and still love America. Would you give God praise for, watch this, the nation that we live in, that this is our nation. Oh, oh yeah, this is our nation. Ain't nobody to give it back to. This is our nation. So, 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 so let me just say this, and, and here's the beauty of our church, is you can be a Republican or Democrat, you can be, you can be white, black, whatever. And, and here's the beauty of it, Jesus doesn't care about either one of them. <laughs> Which means he, he's not a Republican nor a Democrat. He's not a conservative nor a progressive. But why are you saying this, Bishop? Because um, I, at a certain point, you be seated. I just because I'm saying Nike, so I need to go in and deal with that too. <laughs> and even though they were attacked for the ad they released, Nike was like, well, we lived up to our name. Because when you, what you meant for evil got us a 31% increase in sales, Nike said. I said, well, shoot, let me go buy some stock. So, so, so this false argument was created, and this is what the enemy will do. The enemy, when he can't get you on something real, he will create something false to create a controversy so you start fixing a problem that never existed in the first place. So, so it was said in the nation that, that it was said in the nation that you know, this is about respect of the flag. And this is about respecting our national anthem. I just want to read you the lyrics of the national anthem. Now, if you know me, you know I, I, don't, I don't get involved in a whole lot of political stuff because just full disclosure, I'm not a Republican or a Democrat. Kingdom. So whoever I think's gonna further the church, that's who I'm riding with that day. The Bible says the government's on his shoulders, not theirs. I'm not looking to Washington to do nothing for me. You ain't got to instruct me to do nothing. I'm not looking for Washington to do nothing. But let me just read you for everybody who, who, who thinks that that's the real argument. And here's the beauty. Wherever you stand on the issue, I could care less. I'm just giving you facts. You, you, and there's one thing you can't argue with. It's facts. Now, you can create a false narrative. But see, I learned how not to be di distracted. I learned how to focus. So I want to read you some of the lyrics of our national anthem. It says, and where is that band? This is the verse they don't sing. Who so vauntingly swore that through the havoc of war and the battle's confusion, a home and a country should leave us no more. Their blood has washed out their foul footsteps pollution. No refuge could save the hireling and slave from the terror of flight or the gloom of the grave. And the star-spangled banner in triumph of the wave or the land of the free and the home of the brave. You're not brave because you killed a slave. So I decided, next time I hear the national anthem, God bless America. <laughs> but you ain't brave because you kill a slave. 
And it's the church's job to rise up, white, black, young, old, everybody, and declare under God we live and for God we live and for God we Y'all got real quiet right there. Stop allowing politicians to divide. Now, if y'all say amen, I'll move on. By creating a false fight. There's a false fight. It's a false fight. I said it's a false fight. And at, and at some point, watch this. At some point, here's what God's going to do. He's going to look like he did in the scripture. He's going to say, I had enough of both of y'all. Both sides. He says, you know what? I had enough. He said, watch what he's going to do. He's going to pull somebody. They might be sitting in this room right now. And he's going to pull somebody up and he's going to raise them up that says, I don't stand. I don't take this side. I don't take that side. In fact, I heard my bishop tell me I didn't come to take sides. I came to. So I just wanted to deal with that head on. Just deal with that head on. Somebody say, just do it. Okay. And then look at your neighbor and you got about two more times to do that. Just look at him. Stay with him. Just look at him. You looking? You looking? I was wondering why you weren't saying that, but I forgot I told you to look. Just look at him and say, we're united in this thing. Say, I'm your keeper. Say, I'm fighting for you. You fight for me. Say, because both of us, Nike, just do it. Say, both of us, victory. Let's go. Praise God for your neighbor's victory. Oh, praise him for your neighbor's victory. Praise him for your neighbor's victory. Hallelujah. 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 No, no, no. No, 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 no. I needed to deal with that. Now back to the regular schedule message. Sometimes we fail because our plans are plagued. So they don't plan out. And when you choose to fall forward, you have to ask yourself, what did I learn? So next time I'm in a similar situation, I can lean on what I learned. That's Nike. That, 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 that's what the word means. It, means. it means victory. So Jesus was like, I'm riding to what looks like failure. But I'm telling you in advance, Nike, I'm victorious. And watch this. Even though I know the process is painful, just you know why most of us don't do stuff that we know we need to do? Problems aren't actually that hard to solve. Problems are actually very simple to solve. You know where the difficulty comes in? Is the pain the solution brings. I just said something right there. Problems are actually not that hard to solve. The issue is, well, I don't like that solution because it's painful. I don't like that solution because that's painful. I don't like that solution because that's painful. I don't like that solution because that's painful. And I came to tell you today, Nike, just do it. Don't be lame. Don't blame. Just level up and learn. And sometimes, watch this, oftentimes, matter of fact, Nike comes after falling. But it's declared before falling. So I say it, then I go through it, then I see it. Got that part? So whatever you're facing, whatever you're dealing with, here's God's word to you. Nike. Well, Lord, get me out. Oh, no. Oh, no, you got to go through that. 
Why? You need seven. You need to be complete. You Watch this. Watch this. What you're going through is actually an answer to your prayer. What do you mean, Bishop? You prayed shalom. Nothing missing. Nothing broken. Nothing lacking. All is well. How do you get to seven? Fall. How do you get to seven? Fall. How do you get to seven? Fail. How do you get to seven? Mistake. How do you get to seven? Disappointment. What you're dealing with is actually answering what you prayed for. Stop being mad at the answer. Okay, y'all ain't talking to me. Let's go on and ride this train home. Touch your neighbor on your left and your right. Say, go on and go through it. Say, just do it. Yeah, but with your plans, can I give you this principle here? A couple of things. When we're planning, because once you fail, sometimes our plans are plagued. Sometimes our plans are plagued. First thing, and I said this to you to end last week's message, did you commit your plans? Your plan is your works and your ways to God before you started doing something. Because now we discover you have to go through it, so now let's learn from it. Are, are you getting what I'm saying? So, so you have to go through it. Say, I have to go through it. Okay, so let's learn from it, though. So, so, so in this failure, did you just do it and be like, God, catch up? Or did you actually commit your works and your ways, your plan to God before planning? We looked at scriptures last week, Proverbs 16, 3. Commit your works to the Lord and your thoughts will be established. Psalm 37, 5. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him and he shall bring it to pass. Proverbs 16, 3 says commit your works. Psalm 37, 5 says commit your way. Your way and your works equal your plan. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Your way and your works equal your plan. So, so did you actually commit your plan to the Lord, or did you just say, Lord, this is what I'm going to do, and I hope that this, you're going to be cool with it? He's quiet in church. Number two, did you prepare after planning, or just wish for the best and call it faith? He's quiet. Proverbs 16, 9, a man's heart plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. Did, did you actually, after you committed your plans, say commit my plans. That's your works and your ways. The way you get something done and the way you're going to work the plans. Okay. But now after that, did you prepare? Proverbs 69, did you prepare? Or did you just hope and wish? I'm just hoping for the best. Ain't prepared. That's kind of like, that's kind of like, that's kind of like, um, let me say it another way. Um, Aretha Franklin was recently uh, eulogized and funeralized, as they say, and uh, the queen of soul. There were certain artists I could tell prepared. There were other artists that it looked like they just kind of got the track that morning and just got out there and just said, I'm just going out on faith. And we heard them going out there on faith. Can y'all please say amen to that? I, don't, I ain't beating nobody up. I'm just saying you saw the same thing I saw. You may have not watched all 10 hours, but, but you saw what I saw. It's a lesson. Whenever you have the stage, make sure you're prepared because you won't have it again. <laughs> Having the stage, what does that mean? Giving, being given the privilege to influence people, if you ever abuse it and are not prepared for it, you don't get it again. It's quiet. All right. Now, so, so, so first, did you commit your plan? Your works in your ways. Number two, did you prepare? What did you do to actually prepare for your plan? Okay, so you're talking about I got, I got, I'm just believing God to lose weight. You, I mean, and your kitchen ain't prepared. It's quiet in the church. Your kitchen don't look like you prepared to lose weight. Your kitchen looks like the snack aisle. You catching the point? 
You tell me I'm just preparing for a godly spouse. You ain't a godly person, so I, you know. I'm saying you're not prepared. I just want a king. Well, you're going to need to go get some cooking lessons, baby, because kings like to eat. See, see how quiet I got? Whatever you can't cook, at least know how to uh, Uber Eats and Grubhub it up. At least know how to get the solution. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? I just want my children. I want my children to be curse breakers. Well, good. Stop letting them hang around the cursed. Well, they're going to be mad at me. Let them be mad at you. But I guarantee you, when they're grown, they're going to say, thank you, daddy. Thank you, mama. Thank you for not letting me run the streets with them crazy folk. Because... And, and, and then number three, number three, number three, number three. Did you seek excellent counsel? We looked at this last week. Proverbs 24, 6. For by wise counsel do we wage war. Oh, will you wage your own war, excuse me, and in a multitude of counselors there is safety. Multitude there doesn't mean many, it just means excellent. Did you ask the right people the right questions, or were you too prideful to ask? So you failed, watch this, by choice. You wouldn't ask. So you're like, I'm not asking because you know, they're going to think I'm crazy. Well, they're going to really think you're crazy once you mess it up. It's quiet in here. Well, I don't want to look like I don't know. Well, do <laughs> you want to look like you don't know, or do you actually want to know? So many of us are concerned with how we look that we don't realize that the failure we create makes us look worse than the question we were trying to avoid asking. Here's the final thing. Here's the final thing that I want to give you, and, and this one's got a little meat to it. Can I give you a little meat? Okay, can I give you a little meat? Give you a little meat. Um, check the people in your plan. The three, three groups of people, three food groups, three people groups. Sometimes, look at me, and I'm about to preach my own self happy. Sometimes your plan was great, except for the people in it. So what are you saying, Bishop? What do you mean plan? Okay, so remember, we're, we're, the title of the series is Fall For. title of the message is Nike, which means just do it. It also means victory. Okay? Sometimes in life, whenever you fall, fail, many times there was a plan we had working in our mind. Now, I just gave you some ways to properly deal with this in your daily walk, right? But here's the problem. You can have a great plan, but if you have one of these three people in it, your plan will be plagued. Are you ready? You want to know what these three people are? Be here on Wednesday. I'm done. Should I Nike though? Know? Should I just do it? Well, that's cool. Look, I can go eat. <laughs> all right, let's Nike. Let's do it. All right, here, here's the first type of person. They have a name. Lot. L-O-T. Lot. Say lot. lot. And lot here don't mean a lot. <laughs> In fact, it means the exact opposite. It means very little. Some people are high maintenance, low impact. <laughs> it's so much to deal with them, and they don't really bring that much to the table anyhow. <laughs> lot is Abraham's, you, we talked about Abraham before, in Genesis 12. Lot is Abraham's nephew. It's his nephew. Right? 
nephew, nephew Tommy. A few of y'all know what that is. He's, he's, he's Abraham's nephew. Now, God gives Abraham an instruction. I'm going to give you the short version. He gives Abraham an instruction. He says, get away from your family, from your father's house. Family means get away from the way they think, from your father's house. Get away from the way they live. He said, because the way they live is not how you're going to live. You're the curse breaker, Abraham. So I can't have you break the very thing that is building you. So I need to take you away from that so that I can build you over here. Never, never curse isolation. Isolation is actually an indication that you're being molded to do something greater than what you've seen. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Stop talking about I'm alone. You're not alone. You're just being worked on. <laughs> Watch. Lot. So God says, get away from him. So he's leaving this place called Haran. Haran means parts place. This is Genesis 11. You can write it down. Trust me, it's in there, but you can go read it for yourself. And God says, get up out of Haran. Haran means parched. It means thirsty. He says, get out of this thirsty place. He says, they thirsty, and you're going to be thirsty, Abraham, if you stay around them. What does that mean? You're always going to be desirous of something that you never, ever produce. So God says, get away from him. What does Abraham do? He decides, yes, Lord, I will obey you. I'm bringing Lot too. God's response is God stops talking to him until Lot is dismissed from him. Look at me, look at me, look at me, look at me. There are some of you like, God, where are you at? He says, I'm here, but I have nothing to say until they're gone. Y'all ain't talking. Y'all, y'all, y'all. It's quiet in here. It's quiet in here. Watch this. Watch this. Let, let me build the case for you. Let me build the case. He says, I need you to get away from Lot because Lot represents them. And in Genesis 12 and uh, chapter 12 and chapter 13, you see this interesting thing start happening. God stops talking to Abraham. And not only does he stop talking to Abraham, but Abraham and Lot start getting in fights. They start getting in a fight. Watch this about stuff. Possessions. And what's interesting is the only reason Lot had stuff was because Abraham gave him the stuff he had. And then Lot had the nerve to fight with him about the stuff he gave him. Y'all miss what I just said. Lot didn't have a pot nor a window. Abraham gave him everything he had. Watch this. Preach to yourself for me. He gave him everything he had. And when he gave him everything he had, he began to fight him about the stuff he gave him. Anybody ever seen something like that where you, people are fighting with you about stuff? You're like, what, what are we fighting about this for? They're fighting about stuff. And there's so much strife between the two. And then they can't start fighting. So then the people who take Lot's side start fighting with the people who take Abraham's side and their family. When there was only one side that was to be followed, which was Abraham's side. Lot didn't have no side because Lot didn't have nothing. You don't get to have a side when you ain't paid for nothing. It's quiet. Let me go on and move on. Move on. So Lot's name in Hebrew Here's why they had so many issues. His name means hidden motives. There are people in your life who have hidden motives. And their hidden motives, watch this, 
only are revealed in moments of, watch this, of confrontation. In moments of controversy. You don't know what their motive really is until there's a disagreement that makes them show their hand. See, the reason some people cause you so much strife is because they're playing like a friend when they really want to be bae. Y'all not talking. Y'all not talking. They're playing like they're this when they really want to be something else. See, uh, 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 there was a song years ago that says they smile in your face, but all the time they want to take your place. What they do. And you only know the motive when there's controversy. And until Lot was removed, and interesting enough, if you read the story, Lot got into some trouble. And Abraham, the one he gave hell to, was the only one to get him out of it. I've had to be Abraham uh, many a time for folk after they lotted me. What happened? God stopped talking. What does that mean for Abraham? Abraham wasted time. Confused. Because he had somebody around him whose motives weren't the same. See, think about it. If we're on a team, if we're on the same team, well, why in the world are you fighting me when we're trying to get to the same ghost? See, watch this. Watch, let me just go on and preach the way I want to preach now so y'all ain't saying nothing. On your job, if you got employees and you're a manager and they're fighting one another, there's a lot somewhere in there. In church, if teams are fighting one another, there's a lot somewhere in there. In your family, if y'all are fighting that y'all can't even come together and have breakfast without drama going on, it's because somebody is a lot. And lots will waste time. And here's the trip. These people are normally so close to you that you miss their motives. Because what you're around every day, you sometimes lose your sensitivity too. So here's what you'll say to a lot. That's just how they are. Y'all yeah, ain't talking. Let me move on. Uh, what's, what's the first one? Lot. I told you to check the people in your plan. Sometimes your plans are good, but your plans are played because of the people in your plan. Here's the second type of plan. You ready? Here's the second one. Here's the second one. Here's the second one. Miriam. Miriam was Moses' older sister. And Miriam is interesting because Miriam, Miriam, um, the Bible calls her a prophetess. She's a seer. She could see everybody in the room but herself. She could call everybody else's faults out but her own. See, some of you got Miriams right now because when they want to have a little talk, they want to have a little meme. But child, what you think about so-and-so? Man, what you think about so-and-so? They are so busy pointing the finger at everybody else that they miss the issues within themselves. And if you don't know anybody like this, hey, Miriam. Miriam, here's what her name means in Hebrew. Y'all still here? It means rebellious. Rebellion says, hey, and here's what Miriam says, 14. But let me tell you why I did 14. She justifies why she rebels. Y'all, y'all, y'all. Here's what her name means in Hebrew. Say, what's it mean, Bishop? Y'all talk to me like I'm Say, what's it mean, Bishop? Now, it got quiet in here. Bitter. 
Miriam is bitter. What is bitterness? It's the residue of painful experiences. Miriam never sees anything as it is. She sees it as she was hurt. And by the way, these are spirits, so they're not limited to a man or a female. This is a spirit, so you can be a man, Miriam. Hey, Marco. <laughs> here, here, here's the last thing it means, though. This one's a trip. Strong water that won't be tamed. Now, let me move on. Num numbers 12, 15. Numbers 12, 15. Yes, sir, I'm going to keep going. You talk to me like that, that made me want to preach. Numbers 12, 15. So check out what happened. So Moses decided to get married. And Moses married a Cushite, an Ethiopian woman. And Aaron and Aaron and Aaron and Miriam got together. And when they got together, we got some Ethiopians in the house. Amen. <laughs> and Amen. Don't you love our church? Everybody, every background, every race, every creed, every color. This is America. Now, now, everybody, diversity. Does it make sense? Stop demonizing people's differences. All right, let's move on. Let's move on. I got to quit. And I'm getting ready to close. All right, so check this out. So, Miriam and Aaron, Moses, but now Moses is the man of God. Okay? And then Miriam and Aaron, Aaron was the high priest, Miriam was a prophetess. So Miriam saw for Moses, and Aaron ran the church for Moses. Just make it simple, okay? And then Moses was bishop. He oversaw. Got it? Take this out. They didn't like his decision. They're like, well, why he marry her? So what happens is they got together and says, you see who Moses got? Mm. I don't like her. I don't like her. I don't like where's she from? Nah, I don't like her. They talked about his decision because they felt justified because of how close they were to him. Not understanding that the order of the kingdom trumped the order of the family. What's that mean? God didn't look at them as brothers and sisters. God looked at them and he's the leader, you're the followers. So in Numbers, in Numbers 12, in Numbers 12, in Numbers, uh, 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 Numbers 12, rather, the Bible says the Lord hears Miriam and Aaron talking about Moses' plans and Moses' decision. And the Lord comes down and he's furious. He comes down with his James Earl voice, uh, Jones voice on. He says, you three come out here. Check it out. Two of them was talking. But he said, you three come out here. What did he say? He says, I'm about to show Moses why his job is so hard. His job is so hard and his plans never go through the way they're supposed to. Not because he's a bad leader, but because the people he's got next to them are bad followers. So what happens is, is he says, you three come out here. Two of them was talking, but he says, come here, Moses. I want to show you what I'm about to do. He said, uh, if there is a prophet amongst you, I'll speak to him a dream or a vision. He says, but not so with Moses. But Moses, I talked to face to face and mouth to mouth and said, and I got a problem because I gave Moses a job to get y'all into the promised land and y'all aren't there yet. And the reason y'all aren't there is because every time he tries to move forward, you two, you two are the problem. He says, so I tell you what, I tell you what, I said, I'm gonna, God says, I'm going to deal with you. So Miriam, the scripture says, we're in Numbers 12, verse 15. Miriam is given leprosy. The Lord leaves. 
and Miriam is given leprosy. And Aaron, when he sees Miriam start turning into a leper and her skin starting to change, Aaron was like, wait a minute. <laughs> my Lord, my Lord, forgive me. He wasn't talking to God. He started calling Moses that because he says, I realized I disrespected the order. I disrespected the plan. And so I'm out of line. And since I'm out of line, I see what you're doing to her. I don't want that. Please forgive me. Check this out. What are you trying to say? Touch your neighbor say, check your plans for Miriam's. Miriam's will slow your plan down because you'll spend all of your time trying to tame the strong water that they are instead of them flowing with you. They're complainers and they always question everything. It's a Miriam. And in life, sometimes you will have Miriam's in your plans. You're trying to go forward and Miriam is like, you're trying to get something done. And Miriam is, she's strong water. So it's hard to tame strong water. So normally the water, watch this, will take you with it. So now they'll come in with an attitude and shift the whole room. They'll get in your car and you were doing good. Had your good church music on, had evolutionaries going, all that. And get in your car and then <laughs> lots, Miriams. Here's the last one, Achan. Achan's this guy in scripture. He's in Joshua 7. Y'all all right? Yes, sir. I'm getting very close. Yeah. I, uh, but I want you. Now, now, here's what I need you to see. Here's what I need you to see. Here's what I need you to see. I don't know why they yell. Yeah, I want to get very close. It's designed to be encouraging, but it may not be received that way. Now, check this out. Here's what they had to do. Moses, you know what Moses had to do after he dealt with this issue with her? He had the Nike. Do you know what Abram had to do after he had this issue with Lot? He had the Nike. Bishop Palmer, what are you trying to tell me? Stop letting background dancers stop the show. What are you trying to say, Bishop? You're trying to get things accomplished. You're moving forward. You're accelerating. You're pressing forward. You're walking into things God has ordained. And you keep thinking that people came to see the background dancers. They didn't. Listen, listen. I don't care whether you like this type of music or not. I'm just making reference to it. And there's this musical artist, her name rhymes with Anse. <laughs> and it rhymes with it. I've never seen somebody say, I can't wait to see them dancers. They go to see, uh, what are you trying to say, Bishop? Sometimes in life, some of our falls and failures are because we overvalue the position and the placement of lots Miriams and Akins. Well, how am I going to do it without them, Nike? Well, what am I going to do if they don't? My friend was supposed to show up. They're going to do it, Nike. How am I going to press forward if they Nike? You're going to get it done anyhow. Touch your neighbor and say, Nike, Nike. Aiken. Aiken is in Joshua 7. His name means troublemaker. That's what his name means in Hebrew. So you should have known some stuff was getting ready to go down with Aiken. In Joshua chapter 7, here it is. Joshua, the militaristic leader, has just taken Jericho, and he's ready to expand his territory into a city called Ai. And it should have been an easy conquest. It was so easy, he didn't send all of the army. He only sent 3,000 warriors. Because they went up in Joshua 7, and they were like, this is going to be an easy battle. Don't even trouble the whole army. Just send a few guys. We don't even need everybody. It should have been an easy win, but something happened. Here's some lessons we can pull out of Joshua's, uh, Joshua's Joshua's failure because it was a failure because they got utterly dismayed. They got whooped. 
Someone say whooped. This was like zero to 94,000. Bad game. Every second the team, the other team was scoring. And what ends up happening is that as he's trying to move forward, the Bible says he didn't send the whole army, which teaches us a very powerful lesson about life. Sometimes you underprepare because you're overconfident. You're like, I, I don't need to do that. I'm good. I'm good. I know that. I know that like the back of my hand. And we underprepare because we're overconfident. We stop using the very system that got us a win and start going to a different system. Y'all not talking. Let me close the message. So, so, so Joshua, Joshua, he sends 3,000 guys, and it should have been an easy win, but something happened because the men of Ai struck down 36 of the Hebrew army. How many did they strike down? 36. Watch what happens. And the other 2,964, the Bible says, their hearts melted. What do you mean, Bishop, their hearts melted? These are warriors, fighters. Ai knocks down 36 of them. How many? And then all of a sudden, 2,900 plus for these guys say, whoa. And they run backward and stop fighting. What's the next lesson we could take from Joshua's life? Make sure the people fighting for you can fight. If you got friends, you better make sure they can fight for you. And I'm not talking about physically, but listen, if they, you know, but I'm talking about for. <laughs> I'm talking about if you need prayer, they can pray. If you need somebody to encourage you, they can encourage you. Ain't no need in having folk around you that can't fight. If you're just going to stand in the background and watch me take a whooping, I don't need you around me. I need you to say, wait a minute, hold up. Where are the people that like that in here that say, baby, I've been through enough hell where I know how to fight. I, I'm no... Joshua had... 3,000 guys that couldn't fight. Imagine had he went out there. He'd be dead because he relied on people that couldn't fight. Okay. Now, say it should have been an easy win. I, I got to quit because I'm over time. But you learned something? But something happened that had nothing to do with Joshua nor Joshua's battle plans. The deliberate disobedience of one of Joshua's soldiers, this man named Achan, God says, kill everything. But this man named Achan saw some stuff, and he took it. Joshua said, take nothing. Achan says, I'm going to take that. He was intentionally rebellious, disobedient. Whenever you have people who will disobey with you, they will always cross you. Don't ever think that their loyalty to you is greater than their loyalty to self. See, if they, if they lying with you, keep watching. Because that movie morphs to when they're lying. Look, God says there's something accursed in the camp. He says something's cursed. He says there's something cursed. And he says that's why you lost, Joshua. Here's the next lesson. Make sure you're not carrying cursed stuff. What do you mean cursed stuff? You still got belongings from relationships two and three ago. And while you think it's not, can I just teach deep for a minute and then I got to close? 
The Bible says that our words are spirit, John 6, 63, and they bring you the life or death. So take this out. Everything that is spoken to, watch this, or spoken around, it has the ability, the scripture says, everything that has an ear, let it hear, which means everything has the ability to hear. Now, you may look and say, this is an inanimate object. It doesn't have the ability to hear. Well, the scripture disagrees with you. The scripture says everything can hear, which means, watch this, there are certain things that you have held on to from your past that heard a lot of stuff and a lot of stuff was spoken over, a lot of stuff was spoken, etc. And what happens is you carry that cursed stuff with you. Y'all not catch what I'm saying. Y'all not catch what I'm saying. So, so, so you're holding on to relics from the past and these relics from the past keep taking you back to the past. Y'all not talking. You keep holding on to stuff, talking about remember when and this and that, like this is the Michael Jackson video, remember the time. And you keep doing all of that and God says you're holding on to cursed stuff curse stuff so 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 now watch this it ain't just you in your house it's you and all the cursed stuff you brought with you i had this rule since i'm teaching can i just teach it i had this rule where anything that i am ever given i pray over it and i bless it why because i don't know what's coming with it it may look like nothing but a piece of paper but I don't know where. Do you understand in the scripture when they wanted to curse somebody, they'd speak a curse over something and say, here. He says, you took some cursed stuff. Watch this. He says, you kept your tie. That's why you lost the battle. He says, you held back in your worship. He says, that's what he says. So what you have in your hand is now cursed. You disobeyed me. It's cursed. So Joshua, guess what Joshua does? He does what most good Christians would do. When they get into a tough situation, he prays. He gets on his knees, and he has a really good prayer. Father, why have you brought us out here to die? Well, the people say of us that you don't love us. You won't fight for us. You know what God says to Joshua? Get up. Joshua's like, yes, sir. <laughs> The, the Lord says, get up. Touch your neighbor and say, get up. He says, get up off your face. He says, I got something to tell you. Touch your neighbor and say, God's got something to tell you. He said, get up off of your face. <laughs> and he says, I'll tell you why you lost. He says, the reason you lost, Joshua, is because there's sin in the camp. He says, you would have won, Joshua. You didn't win because of what he did. Joshua's like, who? And then the Lord says this to him. He says, get up early in the morning. I'm in Joshua chapter number seven. Say, get up early in the morning. Get up early in the morning. <laughs> Here's verse 10. Let me start verse, chapter seven, verse 10, and I'm done. So the Lord said to Joshua, get up. Why do you lie thus on your face? Israel is sin. Who sinned? Israel. But who actually did it? Achan. Why did Israel sin? They knew. Here's the next lesson. You're responsible for what you know. My covenant, which I commanded them, for some have even taken their cursed things and both stolen and deceived, and they have put it among their own stuff. <laughs> Therefore, the children of Israel couldn't stand before their enemies, but turned their backs before their enemies. They become doomed. And I won't be with you anymore until you get rid of the accursed thing from among you. 
So what just happened? They failed. Because of Joshua's plans? No. Because of what? Aiken. Lay your hands on yourself. Say, every Aiken is getting out today. Y'all not talking. Verse 13. Here it is. I got to quit. Get up. Sanctify yourself. Let me sit yourself. I'm sorry. Sanctify yourselves for tomorrow. For thus says the Lord God of Israel, there's an accursed thing in your midst. Oh, Israel cannot stand before your enemies until you take away the accursed thing from among you. God's like, here's why you lost. You lost because you had an aching around you. So here's what happens. They go, here's the long, here's the short version. They go tribe by tribe, tent by tent to find out who did it. It was this guy named Achan. And Achan could have repented, but his pride kept him quiet. And he was unrepentant about disobeying Joshua's instructions until Joshua asked him. So here's what happens. Tent by tent. Say tent by tent. They get to Achan's tent. It, it runs on them. They, they cast lots. The lot said it was Achan. Joshua looks at Achan and he says, my son, I beg you, give glory to the Lord God of Israel. What have you done? And don't hide it from me. Look at the next verse. And Achan answered, I did it. Next verse. When I saw the stuff was good, I took it. Oops. Verse 22. Joshua sent messengers and ran to the tent. And there it was. Everything that was cursed. Verse 23. And they took him from the midst of the tent, brought it to Joshua, and laid it out before the Lord. Next verse. Then Joshua said, uh, okay. Everybody, let's get together. Verse 25. And Joshua said, why have you troubled us? Look at me. Some of your trouble has come because of who's in your camp. Y'all ain't talking. Let's go on and close it out. Touch your neighbor and say, check your camp. He says, why have you troubled us? This day, the verse says, the Lord will trouble you. Now you read the next part. Next verse. Look at me. They stoned him to death. And if you keep reading, not just him, but everything connected to him, they had to utterly erase. Now, you might be hearing this and be thinking, Bishop, that's, that's, that's harsh. He just made one mistake. What he didn't understand is his, his choice to be a troublemaker. It didn't just affect him. It affected the entire nation from moving forward. So why did they have to get rid of him? They had to send a message. And the message was nobody gets to stop the train when it's moving. It was hard for Joshua. I know it was hard. I know it was hard. I know it was hard for Joshua. I know it was hard. I know it was hard for Joshua because Joshua says, my son. He says, he says, I care about you. In fact, I love you, but you're the reason I lost. And so, he had to go. Now, Say this, say problems aren't hard to solve. 
The pain comes from the change. Say Nike. If you read the next chapter, they go back, they win. Woohoo! Success. What are you saying, Bishop? In some of your failures and our failures and my failures and our, all of our failures, mistakes, disappointments, some of those things, y'all, were caused because we had lots of people with hidden motives. We had Miriams, people who were too, too strong to be tamed. So you wasted all your time trying to tame them, to get them to follow. Why didn't you do this? Why didn't you do this? Why didn't you do that? Why didn't you do that? And then finally, Aikens, troublemakers. They create more problems than they solve. And what does the scripture teach us? The scripture teaches us by principle. When you find a lot of Miriam or an Aiken, you can love them, but you need to have the courage to say, but you can't be in my plans anymore. It's quiet in the church. You can love them, but you got to say, you can't be in my life anymore. You can't hold that spot anymore. You can't be there anymore. Why? Because this loss didn't come because of a bad plan. This loss came because the plan was plagued. Well, I pray that today's life-giving message has spoken life into your life. I'm Bishop Foreman, pastor of Harvest Church. And at this time, I want to extend an opportunity to you to give your life to Jesus Christ. You know, 2,000 years ago, God stepped in a body. That body was called Jesus. That body got on a cross and died for our sins. Now, sins are things that we do that don't please God. And they ultimately don't please God because they ultimately are very harmful and dangerous to us. Not only did he die for our sins, he died so we could have life and life more abundantly. Here's what that means, that not only do we experience God's best, but that we can speak life into other people and use our lives to change the lives of other people. And today, if you need to become a Christian for the first time, the Bible says if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, you will be saved or born again or become a Christian. All of those phrases mean the same thing. And if today you were far from God, this is your opportunity to reconnect to God. I love him because uh, he's not the God of a second chance. The truth is, is we've all used our second chance already. He's the God of another chance. He offers us constant new beginnings and fresh starts to get things right for him. He gave his life for us so that we could give our lives for him. So today, if you need to become a Christian or recommit yourself to Jesus right there where you're at, I don't care where you're listening to this message, I want you to say this with me. Say, Father... In the name of Jesus, thank you for dying in my place. Because of this belief and because of this confession, if this is my first time praying this, I am now a Christian. If I was far from you, I am reconnected to you. Great days are here for me. Today is the beginning of the rest of my life. In Jesus' name. Amen. Listen, if you prayed that prayer for the first time, you are now a Christian. You're born again. You're saved from yourself. And if you were far from God, you're reconnected to God. And here's what I want you to do. Take out your mobile phone and text the word decision to the phone number 59769. And when you do, I'm going to send you a message right away that's going to show you how to make Christianity your lifestyle and not just a hobby. And here's what I want to encourage you to do. You are connected to me and connected to Harvest Church for a reason. It's because this is the place God wants to speak life into your life. This is the place God wants you to grow and become a strong Christian and, and serve and change the lives of other people. So stay connected, whether it's at a physical campus or a digital campus, stay connected to Harvest Church. Keep receiving this word and let it speak life into your life. Hope you have a phenomenal day. Hey, congratulations. 
all know a guy who only occasionally shaves for big occasions, and it's because that occasional shave really hurts. It's the time of year for big occasions, and yet there he is, suffering with that cheap drugstore razor. Let's help him out. Henson Shaving's line of razors, built with aerospace precision, deliver a smooth shave your dad, brother, and even son can enjoy, eventually. With replacement blades just 10 cents each, you'll buy it once, and they'll use it for life. How's that for the perfect gift? Celebrate with 100 free blades on your first purchase, and no subscription headaches. HensonShaving.com slash holiday. Ah, feel the whoa with Listerine at BJ's. You can save $2.50 now on Listerine products like Total Care Anti-Cavity Fluoride Fresh Mint Mouthwash or Cool Mint Pocket Packs Fresh Breath Strips at your nearest BJ's location. Experience the feeling of a million germs zapped in seconds with Listerine. Discount available through December 24th. Save now only at BJ's. 